0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hold your Bibles up. (laughs) Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, this song is so powerful because uh, we are all, to some degree, shaped by the people we grew up around, be it friends, school teachers. Parents, aunts, uncles, our life has been given shape by who we were told that we were, who we were told that we were supposed to be. Uh, We were told how capable or incapable we were of maybe becoming something we dreamed of. And it takes a lot of courage to step out uh, and do what you're, you're called to do and be who you're called to be because there will always be challenges. And the challenge, greatest challenge is when you feel opposed or challenged by another person, you immediately look at that person as the problem, and they're not. Some of the greatest challenges you face that come through other people were sent by God. They're not your problem. They may not even want to say what they're saying to you, uh, but they're building something in you that will cause you to rise up in strength and be who God's called you to be. And if it was easy, uh, we'd all be walking around just laughing and having fun. But every day, there's a battle. And every day, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe in family, that you're having trouble saying, this is me. So the question I would ask today is, who are you? Do you really know who you are? You see, when I ask that question, somebody said, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a postman. Or I'm a, you know, you start telling me what you do instead of who you are. So my thing as I was praying about today is, somebody said, who are you? I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from glory to glory and victory to victory. But when you're praying for me, things are bound to get better. You see, those are things that we have to look at. There was a uh, a ticket agent at the airport and, uh, you know, just doing her job. And if any of you have flown recently in the last... You know 10 15 years there's been all these drastic changes and, and and travelers are getting more and more curt and short because of the you know just all that you have to go through to get from your car to the agent through tsa onto the plane so on and so forth and so this uh, precious little lady ticket agent standing there and this guy is just going off on her. Ranting and raving about the changes, and you know he didn't. She didn't have his seat right, and you know, and he's just going off on her. And so finally, he gets his ticket, and she sends him off. She's unruffled, she's smiling, she's just doing her job, being real kind, and just looking at him, saying, "Okay, sir, here you go." Well, the next guy that came to the counter was amazed, and he looked at her and he said, "Ma'am, I." I, you must be a Christian. I, how in the world did you stand there without saying anything and take that? She said it was simple. He's going to Chicago, but his bags are going to London <laughs> You know, sometimes we just you know able to overcome things when we know things. <laughs> and so um, you know you, you know be, I'd love the guy thought this is just who she is and maybe it was, but she was getting a little bit of kick out of those things being separated and uh, so you know whatever it takes kind of to get over all of the, the difficulties in life and all the opposition and the criticism and all those things to be who you are if you haven't seen this movie it's a worth watch because the the character in the movie that sang that song uh, worked in a laundry and and was behind the scenes and it was a lady and she had a beard and It sounds really weird, but when he goes and he finds out she has this beautiful voice, he asks her to come and sing. See, she was working in a laundry, but that's not really who she was. She was born to sing. And so she had to face a world that was going to judge her because she looked different. And she was different. And the world will always judge us for looking different and doing things that we do, maybe that are not normal to the world. And so everything that we do, we have to ask the question, is this me? Or am I living out somebody else's dream? Am I living out somebody else's purpose? Am I living life at the level that I was told that I had to live it at? Because I wasn't in the top of my class. I, I wasn't the fastest runner. I wasn't the highest jumper. I wasn't the best in academics, I, there was nothing about me that was special and because of that you've measured how special you are by your performance instead of your creation you are special because you're created in the image and likeness of God and so we have to change first our perception of ourselves I was reading when I studied this this morning, I was reading this article I'm hoping I can find it here real quick and uh... It really resonated with me that what what we're up against. And he says this. He said, the world sees you exactly as you see yourself. In other words, people follow our lead. If we have confidence, guess what? People become confident. If they sense insecurity, they will oftentimes pounce on that insecurity. He goes on to say, uh, he poignantly sketches a portrait of today's average person who gets up in the morning, sends the kids off to school, goes to work, eats dinner, goes to bed, and gets up to do it all over again. How many people are guilty of losing themselves in society's definition of who they are and of who they appear to be? Middle-class Americans striving for a dream that rarely take they rarely take time to enjoy To its fullest. Too many, I'm afraid, yet we are not bound indefinitely by this theme. In other words, we have the power to change all of those things. If you don't like who you are, it may be because you don't know who you are, it may be because you haven't identified God's purpose for your life yet. And it's so absolutely important that we find that out. If I were today to ask you what your greatest strengths are, most of you would not even be able to give me five of your strengths. And let me tell you why. Because our fallen nature is more focused on our weaknesses than it is our strengths. In other words, we know who we're not more than who we are. Because sin always clouds the positive perspective of God. Being created in this image and likeness. And before we ever drew a breath, God had a plan for our lives. And yet that plan is often thwarted because we've heard so often, you could never possibly do that. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. I watched the story of Allen Iverson, one of the greatest NBA players ever. Allen Iverson looked like a, a, a dwarf in the midst of giants in the NBA and yet he was recognized as one of the greatest players of all time. Why? Because he refused to listen to people say you're too short to play basketball in the NBA. You're too little. Spud Webb. Go Google some of these people. They'll inspire you. Because they just decided we know who we are or at least we know who we want to be and we think we know who we're called to be and so I'm not going to listen to all the negativity and follow the pathway of everybody else's opinion and be somebody that I'm not. It is important for you to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Watchman Nee put it this way: He said, "If I speak in the tongues well, he put that's. I mean, that's. Turn to First Corinthians 13. Let me read Watchman Nee first. Christianity is not the removal of human weakness, nor just the manifestation of divine power." but the manifestation of divine power in the presence of human weakness. God's divine power will get us on the other side of the weaknesses that we have. And it's the power that works in us that works our lives out. You have power resident in you as a believer, as a Christian. You have the power of God in you. And the only thing that can stop us from being us... Is us. You can't blame mom and daddy. You can't blame your school teacher. You can't blame your siblings. Who picked on you your whole life. Just ask Joseph about that. You've got to be who you are. You've got to talk about your dream. It may it may put you in a pit. It may put you in a prison. But if you will continue to believe. That the dream God gave you is real. And you will live it out. Without shame or embarrassment. Yeah. God will end up putting you in the palace, if you will, because you didn't quit. You didn't measure yourself by what you look like. You didn't measure yourself by your SAT score, your ACT score, your GPA, all of those things. We often measure our lives by something we did instead of who we were created to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. So why am I reading that scripture? Because here's why most of us don't do who we are. We don't become this is me. It's because we fear that we will fail. We fear the criticism. We fear so many things. And the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So the reason we don't become this is me, or you can say, you know, you become who your parents were. I remember growing up, my dad grew up very poor, first pair of shoes at five years old. And a family of 12. I mean, it, it was, for my dad to even have a house to live in was nothing short of absolutely miraculous. And so growing up all my life, I watched my dad. I listened to my dad. And the best my dad could believe for because of where he came from. And there was no teaching in the Bible like you hear today from so many wonderful ministers that, that our footsteps are ordered by God. And that all things are possible if we just simply believe. And that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But my dad never heard those things. So what he did was he worked as hard as he humanly could. But, and he was a believer, but he didn't have faith for anything horizontally. He only had faith for the vertical, which is, I believe in Jesus, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Before my father passed, I sat down with him, just he and I. Uh, in his living room in Tulsa and I began to ask him the questions. I said, dad, are you, he had terminal cancer. And I said, are you afraid right now? Are you afraid of dying? He said, you know, I'm not anymore. I remember a time he said, I'm not afraid of being dead, but I'm afraid of dying. So I went and asked him the question again. And he said, I'm not afraid anymore. And I said, that's great. But when it came to living horizontally, having a living, breathing, daily relationship with Jesus Christ that would empower you, enable you to see beyond the criticism and the challenges and the opposition, the flaws, the deficiencies, the inadequacies, inadequacies that we all possess. Sometimes we get lost in the cloud and we never see who we really are. We just think, if I can just go to heaven. And, you know, going to heaven is it's going to be a wonderful thing. I'm absolutely sure about it. But what's really glorious is having a taste of heaven on earth and realizing the presence of God changes everything, empowers us to do all things through him that he's called us to do. And so my dad would say, get a job. This was his thing after high school. They didn't have the money to send me to college. Didn't want to, So I ended up having to pay for my old college and all the way through to a master's degree. And, and, and you know, they, it was like shaking their head. But it wasn't about anything more than I found out who I was one day, and I realized I was going to be me. I wasn't going to be Harold Crow's son, Nadine Crow's son, Randy Crow's brother, Don Crow's brother, Danny's cousin. I wasn't going to be all of that. I was going to be a child of God. I was going to be the uh, one of His children that was living out the purpose for which He put me on earth. And and it came with a lot of difficulty, not because my parents didn't respond right. As a matter of fact, I thank God for how they responded or I might not have done this. If I would have had their encouragement, it might have been easy. God said, I want you to trust me. I don't want you to trust your mom and dad. I don't want you to trust their opinion. I don't want you to trust anybody else's opinion but my own. Now, should we encourage one another? Absolutely we should. But the reality is that sometimes you need the adversity to get the strength you need to become who God's called you to become. And so it's get a job. Work 40 hours a week, 50, 60 if you can. Make all the money you can while you're young enough to make it. And then get married, have two kids. Something happened there. And and ended up having five and now I got nine. and It's like Jesus, help us all. And so I, I listened to all those things. And during my lifetime, I just kept feeling something different inside me. That there was more for me. And not that it was better because I wasn't any better. It was just that I knew God had more for me. And that I just kept believing and I kept asking God, how do I get to where you want me to get? How do I be the person you want me to be? Nobody in my family's ever done any of this. I had like 30 first cousins. Hello? I mean, most people don't have 10. I had like 30 first cousins. My mom had four siblings. My dad had nine. I mean, I got cousins I don't even know. And, and, and so, you know, when, when I look around, I was the, I think the first, no, I was the, the third, actually third relative to even get a bachelor's degree. And I think there are only two of us who have master's degrees. Because that was not a part of our culture. That was not a part of how we talked. It wasn't a part of how we dreamed. We didn't have the money. We weren't considered to be that intelligent. All those things were just a part of our world that that I thought, well, you know, mom and dad made it. I can just emulate them and, and do what they do and be who they are. And, and every week, I'm going to tell you something. As a father, I'm going to tell you it's wonderful when your kids get jobs, isn't it? It, isn't it wonderful? I, I mean, all of them are gainfully employed. Now I'm just going, thank you, Jesus. And, you know, I'm sure my dad was looking and saying, man, we don't have any money to do any of these things. Get a job, a job, Make it on your own. Do what I did. And so, you know, I, I started along that pathway. And uh, all of a sudden I woke up one day and I said, I can't do this. You see. Most of us in the world, because of our fallen nature, have a survival mentality. We just want to survive. And second, we want everybody to like us. So if you do something that somebody said you couldn't do or shouldn't do, you care more about them liking you than living out your purpose. And so this is not about getting everybody's approval, getting everyone to like us. This is about living, this is me. And so when I ask you, who are you? And let me ask you another question. Do you love yourself enough to be yourself? Do you love yourself enough to be yourself? You see, I realized at the time I didn't love myself enough to be true to myself. Until finally that day when I was awakened by a word from God that I went, I'm going to follow God. Even though nobody in my family's done what I've done, I'm going to follow the Lord. And I'm going to trust that His opinion of me is going to lead me to my, this is me. You see, in an interview, Mother Teresa was contrasting the lives of the rich and poor. And I grew up poor, so she's contrasting this. and, And she said, speaking of the rich, she said, the hunger for love is much more difficult to remove Than the hunger for bread. Why? Because everybody wants to be loved. At the end of the day. Nothing else matters. We want to be loved. The challenge is. Who do we want to love us? And what is it required to be loved? If you are desperate for love. So desperate for love. That you will compromise. Your purpose and your destiny. So that someone will like you or love you. You'll be miserable your whole life. We're all hungry for love, but the reality is God's love is more than enough. Getting up every day knowing that you have done the will of God and that you've experienced the love of God is the most important thing in the world. You're not too short. You're not too tall. You're not too thin. So, I just went through some Bible characters just to kind of, because I was thinking, I wonder who Moses thought he was. You see, Moses was given up by his mother, floated to Egypt in a little basket that his mother sent him over because she was afraid he going to get killed. Moses goes to Egypt. So, can you imagine the confusion Moses might have had? He wasn't an Egyptian. He was Hebrew. So now he's growing up in a culture that would be different than everything that was in his DNA. Now I know that he was a baby when he went, but how many of you know you got a DNA and something inside you knows who you're supposed to be. Something inside you knows who this is me is. And so Moses is in this culture and he's growing up and and he has this moral conscience about all of a sudden he's growing up and and he sees a Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting. Because the Hebrews were in captivity. He sees them fighting. And he ends up killing the Egyptian. Why would he do that? Why would he choose sides not even knowing really who he was? Because he did know who he was inside. So that was Moses' first challenge. hold it, This is me. I'm taking up for a Hebrew. And yet I was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Can you imagine the confusion that's going on in his mind? And then he flees Egypt. And he's out. In the middle of nowhere, tending a flock, and a bush lights on fire, but it's not being consumed. So now Moses has two strikes against him. He's a murderer and he's a stutterer. Can you imagine Moses talking to that bush going? Hold oh, you, you, you don't get it. I, I killed somebody in Egypt. And besides. I don't talk, talk well. And God says, uh, you're going to go and you're going to deliver my people. All it, time out. Are you kidding me? God always jacking with human minds. He really is. Why would you pick a stuttering murderer to bring your people out of captivity? Because before Moses was ever born, he was a deliverer. He wasn't the son, uh, the grandson of Pharaoh. That wasn't who he was. He was born to be a deliverer. He was looking for the Moses. This is me, Moses. Instead of, you told me this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to manage all of the Hebrew slaves. And I'm going to live in a castle. And I've got my life made. Everything's wonderful in my life. And God says, I made it wonderful so you can help other people make their lives wonderful. So now deliver my people. We get comfortable. We get in a groove. We find ourselves being blessed and everything's pleasant. I don't want to get up on Sunday morning. I don't want to serve. I'm tired. I work all week. And God's been tapping you on the shoulder and saying, they need some help in there with children. Why don't you go help them? Because I don't do that no more. I done paid my dues. You are never done paying your dues. We are called to be servants of the most high God for a lifetime. We're never called to sit on the sidelines. We're always called to be on the field. It didn't look like to anybody else outside of Moses. When he had this revelation. That God would use a stutterer. Who had killed one of the nationals. To go in and speak to Pharaoh and say. God said let my people go. I know you're saying. Well, he had a spokesperson. I know what you're thinking. But he had to be brave and courageous to live his this is me Can you imagine just for a moment being mary mary took just a just a carpenter great little housewife feeding the chickens and the camels the donkeys sweeping her dirt floor just a little innocent girl of no reputation she wasn't the valedictorian of her class. If she was, Jesus would have put it in the Bible. I know he would have and said, you know, I only use valedictorians, Jesse. I don't use anybody in the lower level of the class. I just use, and she, you know, it doesn't even talk about how beautiful she was. Now, in all of our world and church world, we got Mary looking like a fox. <laughs> Cause she, after all, she's mother of Jesus and Jesus gotta be looking cool and all dapper with his long hair. And so we got Mary all made out to be some really wonderful woman, and she, she ended up doing something wonderful, but we don't really know who she was. And, and I'm not sure that she knew who she was until the angel showed up and said, Hey, Mary, highly favored. She goes, What? <laughs> How many of you ever heard God say something like really nice to you? And you go, You ain't talking to me. You're talking to my neighbor next door. You got the wrong address, God. You need to dial up Siri. She'll help you get there. Could have said, "Well, Mary was just was just going to be a nice housewife and raise some children." God had a different plan. He said, "Mary, you're not living. This is me, but I'm going to speak to you, and you're going to have an opportunity to be who I called you to be." I'm not going to make you. Think about this for a moment. God didn't make Mary be Mary. He didn't make Moses be Moses. Moses made Moses be Moses. Mary, made Mary be Mary. You have to make you be you. Nobody else can make you be you. Elisha was nothing but a farmer. He's out plowing the fields, minding his own business. An old buddy named Elijah hears a word from God, said go drop your mantle on him. Elisha's out plowing the fields, man. He's got family. He's got work. They got, they got to feed the family. They had a family size of Jesse, 17 people. Y'all know Jesse, how many brothers and sisters do you have? 15 of, 15 of them. That's a lot. Your mama's going to heaven. Don't matter. She got her get out of hell, jail free card, whatever. <laughs> Putting up with all y'all. <laughs> Elisha receives, Elijah didn't even ask him, hey, I'd like to talk to you about a good business proposition. Yeah. Elijah didn't come up to him and say, let's go have coffee. At Jerusalem Starbucks. He said he comes up and Elijah just because he hears God throws his coat which was a mantle which represented anointing, throws it on Elisha. Elisha turns around knows who he is. Everybody knows who Elijah is. And Elijah puts his mantle on him. Elisha has to guess what? Change everything he thought was the right thing. He's grown up. He's an adult. He's got five years left till he gets his paycheck from the government. We got all kinds of excuses here. Some of y'all are like, I haven't read that before. I need to go read that. Yeah. See, because we got all kinds of reasons for not being obedient to God. Man, we got a house payment, we got this, we got that, we got all these things to do without realizing that your blessing may require you to let go of this to get to that. The blessing's over there, not here. But you have to walk horizontally with God. Every day to get from where you are to where you want to be. You just have to have faith to go vertical. But to get your blessing horizontally, you have to walk it out. Faith without works is dead. Think about the, the guys who would become the king's 12. That's Jesus' disciples. I just like the name King's 12. Because <laughs> he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he had 12 guys. So, I just named them the Kings 12. Now, these guys were not educated by any stretch. They they were actually, they were rascals. And Jesus goes around and Peter said, I'm a fisherman. Jesus said, no, you're not. I want you to drop your nets. I want you to follow me. You have no idea who you are, do you? Peter's just out laboring, all the 12 disciples. Jesus goes, you, 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 and you. He didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't go find... You know, from the guys at Jerusalem U, master's program in biblical studies. He goes and finds these guys who had no idea before this moment who they really were. You see, you're never too old. You're never too tall. You're never too short. You're never too thin. To be who God's called you to be. Never too large, never in charge. None of those things. To be who God's called you to be. Because when God puts his anointing on something, it's that anointing that snaps the yoke off of everybody's life. You See, Paul thought he was a Pharisee. Paul was educated, really bright man. Matter of fact, he was going around persecuting people who were followers of what they call the way or followers of Jesus. Paul had no idea that he was a prophet or a minister to the Gentiles. Paul just thought, I'm going, to know the, I'm going to know the Torah. I'm going to know all of the Old Testament writings. And we're going to enforce the law. But then Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus. Paul goes blind for a couple of days. How many of you know that gets your attention? And then somebody comes to your house you never met. Said, God sent me here. Ananias, God sent me here to talk to you. Paul's going, I just want to see you again. What's that going to take? He said, well, you're going to go minister to the Gentiles. Paul goes, that's not me. Yeah, it's you. It's you. See, we have to wrap our minds around God's plan, not around the plans and opinions that we have heard our whole lives. Most people are living out the life they were told to live out. Married the person mom and daddy liked. You did everything mom and daddy wanted. Especially if you're a baby boomer. Millennials not so much. They do the opposite. Yeah. So just tell them what you want them to do. Fake them out. Tell them, you know, and then they'll go do the opposite. And it'll be what you planned. Something like that. Try that, Jesse. You need to do that. Jesus came to help us find our this is me. Jesus came to help us find it. If you follow me on Instagram or follow Mosaic Church OKC, and if you don't, you should do that right now. We posted something that said that I I said some time ago, you were chosen by God, not by accident. In other words, at the end of your life, the end of my life, I have to recognize that who I have become is a result of the choices that I have made. Now, the Bible says, though righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. There are two ways to look at it. The number seven is the number of completion. Some people say if you fall completely, flat on your face, the Bible says that because of the righteousness of God that you are, you rise again. It's easy to stay down when the world says stay down. If you've ever watched any, you know, know, even Rocky 27, any Rocky movie, you hear when they're down on the mat, they're almost knocked out, Get up, get up, get up. You see, it's not how many times you fall down that matters. It's how many times you get up. Some of you have been kicked to the curb, thrown down, knocked out. And in your corner, Jesus is saying, get up, get up. Then all of the Colosseum of heaven. The great cloud of witnesses is screaming over the balconies of heaven, Get up! Don't quit. Moses, I was a stutterer, or at least I thought I was. I was a murderer. But God said, No, you are a deliverer. Mary said, I'm nothing but a housewife. God said, No, you're the carrier of the Son of God himself. Elisha says, I'm nothing but a farmer. God says, You're a prophet. What is God saying to you so that you can find your this is me? It won't be easy. I'd love to tell you it's going to be a real simple process. But the minute you get a revelation of your purpose for being here, the devil will always come to thwart that purpose. To interfere, to try to block it. The thing I hate most about being in ministry is Saturday nights are absolutely the most difficult night of the week. And y'all are out having fun. Mark Ryan's home getting his songs ready. I'm home praying, going, oh, dear Jesus. Let somebody show up and let me say something smart and not be stupid because I'm capable. Then Sunday morning we show up. You guys don't even have to worry about the devil on Sunday mornings. He's working on me and Mark pastor michael you know our screens up here that are flipping out and no let me tell you something man it's a day off for most citizens it's all preachers worship leaders children's pastors No, he, the devil's going we got to get the leaders if we can cut off the head the body ain't gonna work well guess what we showed up today When we meet the love of God, the fear of being who we were called to be fades. So here's what I would say. Pretend to be who you intend to be and you will grow. In other words, fake it till you make it. Pretend to be who you intend to be. Start living and thinking. I mean, man, I used to build, I think the reason I love cars, I've always loved cars. We had acreages when I was a kid, and we had trees. And and in the fall, I love the fall because the leaves would fall, and I would build cars out of the leaves. I I know you you probably won't come back now. (laughs) But I so loved cars that I'd build cars, and I would, I I have this car, you know, and, and leaves, and I'd, open, I'd climb in, I'd sit on the ground and I'd act like I was driving. And I grew up driving. I, I started racing when I was 16. I, it's pretend who you intend to be. Because you know what? People are going to look at you the way you look at yourself. If I ever hear a pilot come on the intercom saying, you know, this is pilot George. We're so glad that you boarded this plane. I want to tell you, this is the first time I've ever flown a 737. And I'm pretty sure that I got this down, not 100% yet, because this is my first flight. And I am really hoping to get you from Oklahoma City to Orlando. We're going to do our best. I'm getting off that plane. I'm like, I'm out. If he's not sure we're gonna get there, I'm not sure. But if he comes on, it's his first flight. Matter of fact, he didn't go to flight schools. If somebody told him he could fly, he comes on and says, I am so excited to be with you today. I gotta to tell you the weather looks great. We've been reported there's no turbulence between here and Orlando. It's gonna be a great flight. And he closes the microphone off and goes, Let's hope this works. As long as I don't know about it. Because I'd look and say, he must be qualified. He sure sounds like it. That's how come somebody says you're going to heaven. You say, I sure hope so. Stop it. Say, absolutely, I am going to heaven. Well, you know, you've done this, this, and this. No, 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 you missed it. Do you know what Christianity is? It's not about what we've done. It's about what He did to make us who we are. You missed it totally. Don't just be a Christian. Be a disciple. Be a follower of Christ. Have discipline in your life that says, I will get up and go to church. I will read my Bible. I will pray. I will trust God. I will obey God. Not, I'll think about it. Some of y'all be thinking until you're 90 and about 90 and a half. I think I'll do what Jesus said to do. Thank you for the three weeks you've given him. Anybody 90-year-olds watching right now really mad at me going, Preacher just said I was fixing to die in three weeks. (laughs) I don't want to just be a Christian. I refuse to just be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. I want to be one that says, like Peter, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up like my Savior. To be boiled in oil as John was. To say, man, do what you got to do because I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. And I have no questions, so try to jack it up. All you're doing is put me on the fast track to glory where I don't have to pay OG&E, First National. Oh. Well, there are days I'm just thinking, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You ever have those days? I have them about every week. You know, i like looking, to, why don't you just come back right now, Jesus? What are you waiting on? I feel like he says Cause we got a lot of politicians that need me anyway so with that said i did step out into those waters didn't i i don't care whether you're democrat or republican they are all nuts anyway so and i'm sure your son is probably a senator okay so come quickly lord jesus let's bow our heads Close our eyes. Those of you who'd say, man, I'm not even a Christian, much less a disciple. I'm not a follower of Christ, but I want to be. I want to pray for you real quickly. just want to ask you to lift your hand up and say, pray for me if that's you. Just say, "I, I need Jesus in my life. Yes, sir. Thank you. I need Jesus. Thank you. A couple of you down here, over here, three, four of you. Okay. Praise God. Thank you. Okay. You can put them down. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to help me find this is me. So today, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I'm going to be who you've called me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.